Welcome to the What the Data podcast with your hosts, Mitch and Leo. Let's do some introductions. So, Lior, let's uh, talk a bit about who you are. I'm Leo. I'm the author of Data is Like a Plate of Hummus. But other than that, I am in the data field for the past 10 years, helping companies basically to do a digital transformation by helping them working better with their data, creating one true source of data and then visualize it in a way that can drive decisions. And I think that this is something that is quite interesting because a lot of companies using data, but a lot of them also using quite a lot of different sources of data. And this is a huge challenge. And I think that this is a, a super cool uh, area to be at. You know, it's like you're working with, with smart people. I'm not an engineer. I'm coming more from the product perspective. And you're building like cool stuff and cool solutions. What about you, Miguel? Um. Yeah, I mean, that, that sounds similar to what I've, I've been doing. Um, I've been uh, in the online industry in various spaces, so uh, social gaming, uh, dating, e-commerce. But usually what I've been trying to do is to help especially marketers, but also other business functions to become more data-driven, to kind of uh, use the data that they have in the uh, organization, but also to, to start looking at, at their data with like more statistical methods without kind of making it turn into crazy data science projects. So essentially, this is a way to model out what could be the future prospects of, of a certain project, what could be the earning potential of a certain initiative we're working on. And over time, I got to see like a lot of, let's say, pitfalls, a lot of kind of ways in which companies are not using the data to the best, uh, using all the potential of the data that they have. I find it quite, quite funny that... Uh... Data is, is really connected strongly to food. And in my book, I'm also, I'm, I'm talking quite a lot about cooking hummus. I, I think that it's very similar to what we are doing with data. We're taking really raw material, uh, which is the dry chickpeas, the very hard chickpeas. We soak it for quite a long time to actually make it softer so we can cook it. Then we cook it. Uh, and we're grounding it, we're adding to it a little bit of more ingredients and we're making out of it hummus. So we're taking dry chickpeas and we're transferring them into something that somebody will want to eat. I think that uh, the same thing goes with the data. What, what do you think, Mitch? How is your opinion about it? Uh, what I like about the metaphor is like you have this preparation step, you know, you have this time of like you do it for other people as much as you do it for yourself. And in the end, it kind of is supposed to, to have a lot of things come together, right? And when it works well, you usually don't notice. But in most cases, when something goes wrong, you will notice very quickly. And you have this kind of sense of like everything went wrong, you know, when it may have just been too much salt, it may have just been uh, the wrong ingredient you picked. Um, but the moment just kind of like one piece is falling out of place, you have this experience of like general bad taste. And that's kind of what I like about this idea that you mentioned. So, you know, I was, I was, I'm talking a lot about that and I really love this subject and, and we had quite a lot of conversation about uh, our fun experiences of working with data as we had a, the fun of working in three companies together. Uh, and, you know, I always, I always think about 
this organization when we arrived in. And the first thing we found out is that people having Excel there. And when you ask them, so how do you actually calculate your return of investment? They always open these three, four, five, ten windows. Uh, and in each of them, they have a different number, which where they started to explain to you how they're doing these VLOOKUPs and connection. And then they sending it to management. And I remember we were the Excel sheet that was presented was actually from three weeks before, but nobody noticed it. And only a couple of hours afterwards, somebody realized that whatever we're presenting to the managing board was actually the wrong data. Yeah, yeah, I remember, I remember. There was this one performance marketing manager who just kind of described to me, you know, I go to my Google dashboard, I go to my Facebook dashboard, then I download the number from this place and then from the other place, and then I copy paste them together and they make just this kind of crazy report. And then this marketing manager one day just kind of like, you know, in confidence told me, you know what, I'm probably spending like two days a week on my weekly reporting. And I was like, the week has five working days. So spend almost half of your time describing what you're doing. Um, and the person said, yeah, kind of. And at that moment, I realized that there may be something wrong with the way, like especially marketing people are working with the with their numbers. Um, and then the the same problem is like people are not only using spreadsheets to store the data, they're also using it for visualizations. And then you usually get this perfect combination of someone just kind of creating this Excel sheet that is the only place the data has ever been saved. So if that sheet gets lost, the, the data gets lost. And then they put all the visualizations in that same place. And then you get like numbers that are shaky combined with like pie charts, for example. And I mean, I know what, what kind of opinion you have about pie charts, right? Well, pie charts is my favorite chart uh, that I ever was asked to create. You know, when I arrived to my first company, I always remember that they ask me always to give a pie chart that giving them the share between uh, Internet Explorer and uh, Firefox. Not even one word about my age. It was the days actually when Internet Explorer was losing his uh, space to Firefox. And I don't know, back then, yeah, we had a lot of issues with what is it supporting or not supporting? What can we actually develop or not? And then I arrived as a freelancer to, to a mobile company for the first time in my life. And I remember that I was, I was very secure in the way that I can help them. And the first thing that I was thinking about was a pie chart to show the split between Android and iOS for their app. And it, after I finished it, I was asking myself, okay, what am I actually showing it and what action should they drive out of it, except of knowing that they have 60% of the users coming from Android. And I remember that I was talking to somebody who told me like, ah, oh, you can just say that Android users are cheap bastards and they're not spending a lot of money. And this is why we don't have enough revenues. And then I, I said like, oh, that's a great idea. And actually I changed the pie chart into a, a trend line over a couple of weeks that's gonna show basically iOS and, and, and uh, Android and how basically the revenue between the two of them is uh, splitting. And, and I think that this is the first time that I realized that there is an action that you can create by actually showing the right graph at the right dashboard to the right person. What, what is your thought about it, actually? Makes sense. I kind of like this, um, this example you gave when it's just like, okay, we chose to make a pie chart and then we just put on 
um, estimates, speculations about, you know, Android users are this and Android users are that, when it would have been easy to just kind of show the revenue by iOS or Android user, right? So essentially the dashboard could have just kind of completely done away with the speculation and could have given you a proper kind of look at what your business is doing. At the same time, someone just liked the idea of a pie. Um, but so, yeah, that's that's kind of what I like about it. The other side, of course, is sometimes you split information and then you don't quite know what to do with it, right? You don't know if there's a trend behind it. You don't know if there's a reason behind it. And sometimes you don't even know what to do about it. A marketing person could at least decide, okay, well, you know, a certain group monetizes better. So I look at the conversion rate by gender or like by device, and then I target those people. But in some cases, you know, it really just turns into this stuff of legend. You know, someone tells you Android users are cheap bastards. Someone else tells you like, oh, women don't want to buy cars on a certain website. Someone else tells you like men don't want to buy shoes. In the end, it's just kind of like they use the dashboard you built and then you just kind of paint their own prejudices all over the place without kind of using the data they would have had, right? I always find it a little bit of problematic when it's coming to explaining data to people. I think that I found it that you actually, as you said, you need to talk to your stakeholders and actually understand what they're trying to achieve. And this is something that a lot of us actually missing when we started to design stuff and this is how we ending up with pie charts. Uh, what, what, is, what is actually a dashboard for you then? So what is your ideal design or outlay for a dashboard? What, what do you expect users to do there? Yeah, I think that's, that's, that's a very good question because I think dashboards are being thrown around because everyone has been catching on to this idea that sending a, a spreadsheet to someone else is not the most efficient way and sometimes it get lo gets lost or sometimes it's not accurate. Um, for a dashboard, what I would say is really just it is supposed to show you the main things that are interesting to you and your business. Um, and then if some uh, function that is kind of like specialized, like marketing, for example, like product, you just kind of start to, to, to spread out like a tree to like more interesting, relevant metrics that all feed back into the key performance indicators. Um, and for me, the main point is always like some people tell me that they have 10 KPIs and since K stands for keys, I don't quite get how someone would have 10 keys to their apartment, for example, right? Because a key is supposed to be one of very few things that you need to get to the place where you want to go. Um, so this is kind of why the dashboard for me just kind of needs to be specialized to a certain stakeholder and show the predefined uh, metrics that are important to a certain department and then all the way up to the management. And the point is the, the moment you choose your metrics, you choose what you're going to talk about. And that's why this is a process that's not just BI or not just the person building the dashboard, but that's why it's stakeholder management, right? You know, you, you're talking about dashboards and I always think about, you know, that there is a lot of... So I, when I'm working with clients, most of the time I'm, I'm, I'm coming and trying to help in creating these data strategies uh, that they can actually work with. And when I'm talking to the CEOs or, or CMOs in the company, Many times what I hear is that I cannot live with this silo. These teams and each of them, if it's product or marketing or finance, they all have their own ideas about how data should be structured. And I remember that one of these CEOs was telling me like, listen, I want to break these silos. I don't want to have any more silos in my company, but I cannot do it if I don't have it in, in one place. Uh, and I was like, okay, so, so what do you mean? How do you, how do you want to build it? How do you want to structure it? 
and, and, and for him, it was like, I want to have a dashboard when I can see each of the functions, what they do and what effect do they have on the business. And then we started to talk about my concept of uh, basically these three uh, uh, layers of, of, of data that uh, the, the methodology of reducing the amount of KPIs you're using into three KPIs on a database. Because I think you cannot actually make decisions or be really data-centric if you don't use three KPIs max. And here, I, I think a lot of people are going to slaughter me. What, what, what is your feeling about it? Like, what is the ideal number of KPIs in the dashboard? Yeah, I, I think this case, like, um, I, I think I share the sentiment. I don't know if it has to be precisely three or maybe four or maybe two and for every business, but... I think there's always a virtue in trying to just kind of limit yourself to something and just kind of making a conscious effort of saying, okay, this is really what I want to pay attention to. Because, I mean, even if you were able to pay attention to more things or to just kind of like make decisions based on 100 numbers instead of, of 10, I don't know if those will be good decisions in the end, right? Because you, you get sidetracked, you don't know how these things interact. And um, for example, what happens if you don't know how your 10 KPIs that you're using um, are positively or negatively correlated. Because in some case, like some company might say, well, the KPI for one department is um, is uh, conversions per user. And the other one is like revenue per conversion. The problem is, of course, if the conversions get bigger, people make fewer of them because they don't magically make more money, right? So essentially one department works in one direction, the other works in the other direction. And then you find out that since you have not been picking KPIs that are lined up in one direction, that meant people are working against each, against each other, you know. Um, and that's kind of the thing that, that, that concerns me more than the, than the specific number. It's just like the moment you tend to just cut down the number of KPIs, you also start to, to be forced to think about them more. And um, I think this is also where the data strategy comes in that you've been kind of hinting at or describing so far which just kind of is, is the process of, of knowing which information is going to help you win your battles and kind of make your company successful. Do you actually build dashboards for uh, management boards? Uh, what, what was like, what, what is the most important thing you think when you're talking to management in explaining to them how a function is working? Because I know that you're working quite cross-functional, right? So you, you're running mm -hmm. around different functions. Yes, that's that's correct. So essentially, I'm uh, I'm usually involved in a lot of different places because I tend to be in this um, domain expert role. So that means I work with marketing teams, I work with product teams, with BI teams, um, and also, of course, I, I help management kind of looking at certain numbers in a specific way um, or make presentations to them. Um, so essentially, the point is that for a management dashboard, the one thing I think you have to keep in mind is that they don't have as much time as you do. So essentially. The moment you can obsess over certain things or you have like an idea about all the subtleties of one thing connects to another or like how one metric is locked up with the other one or what, what kind of patterns you know about and you look at the management mostly needs to know where things are going. And that's kind of something that, that you need to keep in mind. So management dashboards for me compared to the dashboards that I make for departments like marketing people, for example, they tend to be more stripped down. Um, and they tend to also be more directional. So they tend to be focused more on trends um, and on the general direction where we're going. And one important thing is also for those dashboards, it's usually very important for me to get goals in there. So, for example, to get people to write down the, goal, the goals that they have, you know, OKRs or some 
tool that people use nowadays to specify certain things. Um, so it's there's a lot of value in kind of going around and finding out at which point in time, where do they want to be? What is kind of the plan that the business, sh business should be on? And where are we right now? Because that's ultimately the differential that some manager is going to have to kind of work with, right? Or work against or fix. Um, so that's one, spe one specific thing for me that I, I thought was important about management dashboards is one, trends. The other one, kind of expectation numbers versus reality. Um, but you probably have like more input on this, right? So, you know, when, when we're talking about management, and I think that this is something that I, I, I'm, I'm seeing quite often, is that they need to create, that they need to make quick decisions. They don't have time to sit there and start fighting with which number is the right number. Are the numbers that coming from finance are the correct one or are the one from, from marketing? Or is it actually the number that coming from product? And what I'm finding it quite disturbing is that if you want to keep being agile, if you want to keep uh, breaking these silos of product and marketing and finance, you as a, as a management board uh, or in general, as a manager, you need to be able to actually be very dynamic with uh, the data you consume, but you need to be very precise. So you need to find out what is the growth factor of your business and how different functions affect it. And based on it, you can create actually action points. When, when we're talking about growing a business, it's not only by bringing more users. It's not only by producing more orders. It's actually regarding how many times users come back. Are they doing the right actions that I want them to do? Are they getting closer to actually subscribe? Or am I far away from, from being there? And this is, this is, I think, one of the biggest issues that we are facing when we're designing a dashboard. And yeah, and, and, and you know, Many times when I'm when I'm sitting there with with the managing board, I'm trying to design with them a data strategy that actually going to go from bottom to the lowest level of the company, and we'll bind them by one number. So it's great that you're driving towards ROI. I actually think that the ROI should be over time. It shouldn't be just okay. I invested now five euros in this. What I got back. It actually, the five euros that you invested today, how much money will they bring back in 30 days from now, 60 days from now? And this is something that a lot of organizations are, are missing. And I know, Mitch, you have quite a lot of experience actually in, in, in this field. What, what is your feeling about it? Yeah, sure. I agree what you said. I mean, the main point with ROI is always like return over which time frame. Um, and uh, essentially like what, what what is the what is the benchmark for me what do i need right now to be to to not go bankrupt that's one side of it the other side of course is what down the line how big do i want this business to be how successful do i want to become how much do i want to scale right um and sometimes in these discussions you have to worry about like uh you know getting getting one cupcake now or getting two cupcakes later like this experiment um some people tend to focus too much on the short-term return and this kind of means getting certain business models off the ground, if you are not willing to, to make some losses in the beginning, is going to make it more difficult. 
Um, and it's going to just kind of make it hard for you to experiment. So marketing, for example, is a case where sometimes you need a little bit of time until a certain channel becomes profitable for you. So if you cut it off too early, you kind of cut down your later growth prospects. Um, sometimes you focus your entire business on getting those conversions from, from search advertising, just because those people tend to be closer to what you may want to sell. At the same time, this just means to you are going to keep buying users from Google for, the, for all eternity from now on. Um, essentially just because you have not built other kind of distribution channels for your business. So in those cases, you may have worried about short-term ROI a bit too much and not about the strategy of your business and how you are going to kind of like reap the rewards of your early investment. Because sometimes you have to lose a little bit of money in the beginning to build up infrastructure, to kind of build up processes, to become successful. And then in the end, you're just going to reap uh, the benefits because you get to scale more than you would have otherwise. Um, whereas some people want to just kind of scale from the very first day and just kind of pick the low hanging fruits and all those buzzwords. And that just kind of usually leads to, to situations that look much better in the beginning, but that don't improve as much over time as they could have if you would have been willing to invest a little bit more in, in, in infrastructure and groundwork in the beginning. So wrapping this episode, I think it's a quite nice intro to some of the subjects we're going to talk about. Uh, for me, especially, I think I'm really interested about talking about all these data stories that we can actually tell people that does and don't uh, when they're using data. I think that it's, it's, it's something we're going to focus quite a lot on, uh, trying to help the different people understand better how to use the data. Uh, what, what is your angle, actually, of, of taking this podcast or where would you like to take it towards? For me, it's just really fun to kind of talk about these experiences that I've, I've got over time with kind of getting people to become more data, more data focused in their operations and in, their, in the way they run their businesses. Um, so, I, I, of course, I also like to, to, to tell a few stories every now and then. But in general, I also think it's important that we kind of make this podcast useful in the end, you know, to just kind of get specific things that people can get out of it. Um, because, of course, I don't just want to sit there and talk. I also just want to make sure that someone who comes to our podcast with a specific expectation also just kind of feels that they, they learn something uh, from our experiences that could be helpful to their everyday life and everyday work lives. So that would probably be my, um, my aspiration with this. So with that, I will say, Mitch, thank you very much and catch you up in the next episode. Thank you for listening to the What the Data podcast.